Hey, this is Michael. Thanks so much for listening to Soma's podcast. Before this week's teaching, I just want to take a second and thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and subscribing. It makes a huge impact. Enjoy the message. Coming to alignment with who you've called us to be, Lord. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen, amen. You guys high five somebody, hug someone, tell them happy Sunday, grab a seat. So good to be in the house. Um, we are week three of a series called Legacy. Before we jump into that today, first of all, if you're new to our church family, we're so glad you're here. We love you. Day one, more importantly, God loves you, has a great call on your life, great purpose in front of you. And it's really our job. It's really what we're doing as a church family is, is creating as many vehicles as op- as possible to kind of push you towards that purpose and that call that God has on your life. And um, best thing that you can do just to serve you better is little next steps cards right in front of the chair in front of you. If you are new to our church family, take a minute, fill that out. There's a tent out in the back at the courtyard. Uh, I'll be out there when we're done. Team will be out there, dream team, and take that next step card and turn that in, and we can communicate with you things we got going on with the church. One of the things we got going on next week, we have at the movies a teaching series, and and this kind of parable form. If you were with us last year, we kicked off this idea, kind of teased out this idea. What would it look like? If we took, just, just like Jesus, we took stories, parables, and we talked through them and just saw that redemptive narrative and just talked to people about how every story is the story. Uh, and so we take, we take movies, honestly, and we'll show movie clips, and there'll be teaching clips in between the movie clips. And it's, it's, if you've never been, it, I know you're highly skeptical. I was as well. And God moved in a profound way last year. We saw people's lives change, people come to faith in Christ. And our church just get excited about it. So more than anything else, it's a thing to run at together. If you have people who, this is the best way I know to market this event. There's, uh, for the next few weeks, if you have people who hate church, just bring them to, bring them to this, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. There's literally, we just turned this into like a movie theater. There's popcorn, there's movie candy, there's drinks, there's, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun. It just hits a little bit different. So, um, this is not, you know, some kind of exegetical breakdown of the book of Romans. That's a different thing. This is for the people who are far from God. Just bring as many people as you can who don't church, haven't churched in a long time to come. And also for the 930 service in particular, as many of you as possible, come on, hit that five o'clock showing for the, at the movies. You know what I'm saying? Like this room, we we're testing the limits on this room, uh, weekly as we gather and, uh, and literally every service is the same. I'm telling y'all, don't like go to brunch. I'm telling y'all, okay? I'm telling y'all, sleep in, not drink team, but everybody else, y'all sleep in, okay? Go to brunch, whatever. Y'all come, come to the 5 p.m. showing and, and bring your people. And I'm dead serious, as many people as we can to move to that service time or the 8 a.m. Um, so that we can make more room for more people because we do expect a lot of people to come and hang out. So pray for it. And then um, as the Holy Spirit directs you, like as God directs you, invite people to come and be a part of that. There's little invite cards we got floating around somewhere. I think on the way out, you'll, you'll grab some of those. So week three of our series called Legacy, we're having this conversation, what do we want to be known for? And we've been talking about really surrendering our lives, really stepping to the, the plan that God has for our lives and um, making an impact. Really, ultimately, it's about making a difference in the lives of the people around us. That's what we want to be known for. We want that moment kind of at the end of ourselves, at the end of our days where we take inventory and we go, what, did I make a difference? Did it matter? Did anything, did anything happen? What did we do? And 
Um, our whole vision, really the, the mission that God's given our church from day one, and it's not just Soma, but we believe this is true for every single follower of Christ, every single church member anywhere, is God wants to begin a personal relationship with you. He wants, to, he, wants to, he wants you to know him. So know God is the first part of our mission as a church. We want everybody to come in relationship with Jesus. That's the moment of salvation. You finally realize who you are in relationship to him. You step into that eternal relationship. Know God so that you can find freedom. There's things in your past you need deliverance from, things that you need to work out, flesh out. You need, you need to stop focusing on the past so you can look forward to the future that God has for you. And when you do that, you begin to discover your purpose. So you know God, you find freedom, discover the purpose that you were created for ultimately. And here's the kind of the, the marker so that you can make a difference in the people, in the lives of the people around you. That's what God's calling us to do. And here's a bold claim. But I believe it's true. The ultimate purpose of my life is to make a difference. The ultimate purpose of your life is to make a difference. And we come alive the most when we feel useful, when we feel valued. We, feel, we have fulfillment and purpose, and we have joy when we are making a difference. Let me show you John chapter 15. It says this. Jesus says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And he makes this correlation between discipleship, following Jesus, and bearing fruit. Here's how people are going to know you're about my business, that you are team Jesus in, in the way that you bear fruit. And it's not just fruit for fruit's sake. He's talking about spiritual fruit. You're making an eternal impact on the lives of the people around you. They're marked by the way that you carry yourself. So it's not, again, I'm all about fruit. I'm all about clothing people, feeding people. Let's dig wells. Let's do all the things. Let's do it in Jesus' name so that we can give them over to the hope of the gospel, which is the thing that lasts forever. So he says, bear fruit so that you'll be my disciples. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And what's wild is he says, hey, listen, you're going to make a difference in people's lives. And as you do that, I'm going to give you my joy. And it's not just going to be like a little bit of joy. It's going to be like 100%. Your joy is going to be complete as, as you're given over to making a difference in the lives of people around you. So real joy doesn't come from the things sometimes we equate joy with. It doesn't come from vacation. Um, if vacation's great. I love vacation. It's awesome. But sometimes you can plan a vacation all day long and it go horribly. You know what I'm talking about? Right. So, I mean, it just is. I mean, it just can. I mean, you, you'll make all the plans. You'll save all the money. You can't control the weather. Somebody got sick. Something happened. You had to, you know, pivot. We've all had those moments. So it's, it's not subject to like vacation. Real joy doesn't come from a certain amount of money. I know people who are so affluent, people who are rich by the world standards and yet poor in spirit. And so it's not, it's not a lifestyle or it's not a, um, stuff, it's not any of those kinds of things. He tells us, hey, it's about making a difference in the lives of the people around you. And the cool thing about that is anybody can do it. You don't need a different job. You don't need to move. You don't need a different relationship. You don't need any of those things. You just need to begin to focus. Lift your head. God, give me an opportunity. Help me to see people the way that you see people so I can make a difference in people's lives. Real joy doesn't come um, from any of those things. Real joy doesn't come from your team always winning. So if you're an Alabama fan, come on, let's go. I'm, I'm like, come on, I'm so excited. There is a God. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's so good. So good. I had to. But real joy doesn't come from, from what, it comes from what uh, sociologists call transcendent living, transcendent living. And basically science has just kind of tapped into what God already established from day one, which is you were made for a reason. You were made on purpose and for a purpose. And when you, the two greatest days of your life is when you're born and when you finally realize why you were born. And so it's that day where you go, oh, snap. 
Like, I'm good at this. I'm affirmed at this. I'm passionate about this. I've been given these opportunities and these gifts and these passions so that I can step into the call on my life and make it about other people. And so this is when we come alive the most. And uh, we've mentioned this before in this season, but, but the blessing that God gives me and you on our lives, and you are blessed, it's not just for you. It's for the you beside you. God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. This is 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 18. Uh, this is kind of our theme passage for this series. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good. Be rich in good works to be generous and ready to share. And I love that. Paul says, hey, here's what it's about. Ultimately, God will give you over to this. He'll give you over to uh, a new heart, and he'll give you over to a trust in him, and then you'll, be, you'll begin to do good in the world. You'll be rich, and here's how you're going to be rich, in the way that you impact people around you. You'll be rich in good works. And then you'll be marked by generosity. You'll be marked by an open-handedness and just a willingness to share because you trust God more than you trust what God handed you. And so Paul says, this is what it looks like. And so, and he's talking to the rich. And all of us always assume that's not us. But I love Gallup. Um, Gallup did a poll a few years ago. And, and they asked Americans, how much money do you have to have in order to be rich? And again, this is, this is a few years ago, so they didn't take into consideration the amount of how much groceries are costing these days. Come on, somebody. But, it's like, but they asked the average American, how much does it cost to be, I mean, how, what would it look like for you to be rich? Average American said $150,000. Rich is $150,000. And, uh, and then they asked people who made $150,000, are you rich? And they were like, no, I'm not rich. Are you joking? Like, I mean, I got school. I'm paying off school. You know what my mortgage is like. I got to send my kid to school, you know. And, and their bills, uh, you know, appropriated based on the amount of money that they make. You make more money. You have more bills. You have more. And so, so that's, they're like, no, we're not rich. And so they asked people who made between thirty dollars and $35,000, hey, what would it look like if you were rich? What would that number be? And people who made $30,000 said $75,000. If I could make $75,000, I would be rich. They asked people who made $75,000, are you rich? No, I'm not rich. And they begin to show them all the ways that they're not rich. They ask people who subscribe to Money Magazine, which I did not even know was a thing. Money Magazine was a thing. And uh, apparently, like, it's probably because um, I don't need editorials on what I don't, I don't have a lot of. You know what I mean? Like, you have to have money in order to subscribe to Money Magazine. I also don't have a surfer magazine. I just, for, so anyway, so, but the idea is people who subscribe to Money Magazine, people who live in that world, what would it take in liquid assets? So, Th money that you can get a hold of, right? Uh, not money in the checking account, but liquid assets. If you don't know what that's, that is, you're like me and you don't subscribe to Money Magazine either. But like for, they're, they're going $5 million is what it would take to be rich. $5 million. Of course, they asked people who had $5 million, are you rich? And they said, no, we're not rich. Are you kidding? I've got to employ all these people. We've got to do all these things. We've got all these bills. You know, if I had $10 million. You know, so it's always this moving target. Here's the point. Nobody's rich, but everybody knows somebody who's rich right? We all know. How many of you know someone who's well-to-do? They're doing pretty good for themselves. They're like, I wish I had that car. I wish I had that lifestyle. I wish I had that whatever, right? How many, now, how many of you are rich? No one will raise their hand. Now, how many of you are blessed? You would just say, I'm blessed. Like, my life is awesome. Yeah, right. So, it, isn't it amazing that that's the way that we think? We're like, I'm so blessed. And yet, we don't take an inventory of all the ways that we are. And so, the reality is, is um, the majority of your problems, my problems that we face, again, Listen, uh, trials come, 
struggles come, hurt, brokenness, all kinds of things, relationships, people get sick, those types of things. But the majority of our issues that we have, majority of our problems, are kind of 2022 issues, first world problems. You are on a plane and the internet is slow or it is not working and you are frustrated and you're just like, I can't, what is this garbage internet? You know, you're, you're in a piece of metal hovering above. It's a miracle that all this is happening in sync, but you don't take any of that into consideration. It's that moment. One of the big frustration for us at our, our house is you hit that target pickup or you hit that Instacart order and they don't, they don't substitute the right thing. You know what I'm saying? Come on, I'm preaching now. I'm preaching. Y'all write this down. Like, they don't substitute right thing. It's just like, oh, it's like someone brought you your groceries. You know what I mean? Someone shopped for you. He just rolled through the parking lot and picked that junk up. And so, but those are the, like, I ordered a Vinci with oat milk, and all they had was the almond milk. Oh, like, I, you know, like, whatever the little things are. Brooke and I, um, my wife, she, she had a birthday yesterday. Shout out to Brooke and her birthday. Come on, happy birthday. Yes. So, um, took her, took her uh, away for a couple of days and, uh, we, we went glamping and, and so camping, not so much glamping. Yes. And amen. So, so, so we went that we had friends that turned us on to this place and I was like, that'd be great. And, uh, and so we mapped it out. Hey, let's go this time. Let's go here. And we went and, um, it was amazing, beautiful views, all that kind of stuff. And my biggest frustration while I was there is I couldn't get the little fire pit. It was a fire pit on the deck. Couldn't get it to light. It was a propane fire pit, um, and it wouldn't stay lit. I just had to sit there and hold it. And I was so angry at this propane fire pit that it would, this is my problems, all right? This is the extent of my problems on this trip. And I'm, like, so frustrated. Meanwhile, the heat inside of the dome tent works. You know what I mean? Like, everything's working in there. There's a hot tub right here. It's like, but I'm so angry that this is, like, I'm so frustrated. I'm, like, texting people, I'm like, come on, man, get it together with your, you know, propane. You know, and so it's, like, those are the types of issues that we have. Those are, and you think about whatever it is for you, you're, like, that's not my, that's not the level of my issues. But every single one of us, we had this moment. I said this last week. We walk to the closet some of you even have a room dedicated for your clothes. I don't live in that world, but some people, I know people who do. And you walk to the closet and you say, I don't have anything to wear. You say it every single time, like, I don't have anything to wear. I need to go. And it's like you have a closet full of clothes. So this is kind of where we live. And this is what Paul's talking about in 1 Timothy 6. Hey, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty or set them, their hopes on things, on even the way, the modes by which God brings you resources, your vocation, your job, whatever your source of income is, but rather on God who provides everything that we need for all that God's asked us to do. And so, um, so I'm not telling you any of this to guilt you. As a matter of fact, my goal in this series, my goal in general is to, guilt, to get guilt off of you to get shame off of you. There's enough of that going on, and the enemy loves to just to, to, to use that as a, a tactic. It's not attractive or effective to get you to do something because you're obligated or under compulsion to do it. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul, same one who gives us this passage, gives us that Second Corinthians passage that we use all the time, where he tells us, hey, God doesn't want you to give out of reluctance or out of compulsion. God wants you to give out of a place uh, so that so that you are, it's your joy to give. He doesn't want you guilty. He just wants you responsible. And so this is what he tells us. Um, and so the whole idea is that you and I are blessed to be a blessing. It's what the more is for. And my job for us as a church in this season is to just educate everybody on the ways, the vehicles that we have in order for you to exercise and, and realize, okay, there's a lot of opportunities in this season for us collectively as a church 
to make it about others, to invest and sow into not only people's now, but people's eternity. And so I'm going to give you, an, I'm going to give you uh, a breakdown on that. We hit it on a previous week. I'm going to come back to it. One uh, is legacy offering. December the 11th, so December 11th, 2022, uh, we always do this on the second week in December where we stop and we celebrate our legacy offering. And what we've done this year, we did it last year as well, is we make the fund live earlier for people like myself. If you're out there and you're going, I want to give, but i got to be really intentional as I give because there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of things that we, Brooke and I have to steward at home with kids and everything else headed into the holiday season, Christmas time. And so we make the fund live, it's already live, and people who just, we ask you to just pray. God, what does a sacrificial gift look like on my part? What is my portion? You don't have to give your neighbor's portion, just your portion. And then, and then just give and then watch God do a, a crazy thing as a result of our collective generosity. Um, there's five lanes. We mentioned this last week, but I want to hit these. What does legacy go towards? It goes towards local missions, national missions, international missions, Soma Church, and Soma College. And regardless of what the gift is like, it'll be proportionate. We always give a tithe to local, national, international, missional efforts where we partner with other organizations, where we help to plant churches, where we feed people, where we clothe people, disaster relief, all the things happens in Jesus' name. And then what we do this year is we're really focusing on building faith because you look around the room right now, it's kind of like this, but by the time we get building, it'll be like this times how many ever services it takes in order for us to get the people in the room. So the thought is, okay, we desperately need, uh, you know, better parking, better assembly space, all of that so that we can reach more people with the gospel. That's our focus. As we look at it, we go, it's probably going to take us five to $10 million in order to move into a facility that would accommodate the type of people that, you know, the amount of people that are coming in this season. And the thought is that's a big number, but it's, it's a big number, but it's not for 2000 people who called Soma home. Right. And so the thought is, what's my portion? How can I play a part? And our goal this year for legacy is not uh, so much an amount of money. We kind of have an idea of what it's going to take in order for us to move on building phase. But here's my ask. Pray. If Soma's your home, give. If it's not your home, just tune me out right now. Play something on your phone. But if this is your home, like this is where, this is where you want to be, this is my church home, pray and then give your portion, whatever your portion is. And then I believe that God will actually bless like a, a unity and he'll bless a, a uh, collective sacrifice on the part of our family. I, everything that, all that we need in order to do that all God's asking us to do in this season is already here. It's already here. And so um, it's just pray, give whatever we, we feel called to give, and then take part in that. And then I also want to encourage you not only give financially in this season, but give the gospel to people and give really your church family and your experience here. There's two ways to do that. I've already mentioned one, at the movies. So uh, we saw people come to faith in Christ last year during At The Movies, and it's kind of insane. It's really insane for me to be in the room and then watch people respond to the message, even though I'm not like on. It's, it's insane to watch this thing ha play out. So if you have people who are far from God in your life, invite them to this series. But also Christmas at Soma is coming up. And for those of you who love to plan, who plan calendar, you already got your calendar through 2025 plan. This is for you, just a save the date kind of uh, mark what we're going to be doing as a church. Soma, uh, Christmas at Soma, we're doing the 23rd at 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. And then the 24th is going to be 3 p.m., 5 p.m., and 7 p.m. 
And we're going to arrange this room in a way that we can get as many people in the room as possible. We're going to have, last year we did like a registration and a kind of, uh, a way for people to kind of qualify. Just tell us, hey, what, what service am I coming to so that we could better prepare for people who are coming. But exponentially, people come to church. People would church at Christmas more than any other time on the calendar. So if you're like, at the movies, not so much. I'm not going to invite my friend. I'm not going to do what you asked me to do. I'm not going to whatever. Like Christmas, okay? So, um, so there's people in your life who would, who would come at Christmas, and again, it's just on the other side of an invitation, and I know it's awkward, and I know it's weird, but what is it worth to just see people, something shift in them, and finally realize who they are in relationship to who God is? And so um, that's a great opportunity for you to invite people, because they're going to hear the gospel during at the movies, they're going to hear the gospel uh, at Christmas, during our Christmas services, and so make plans and be a part of that. Um, more people come and more people come to faith in Jesus at Christmas than any other time on the calendar. We had more people come to faith in Christ last year than, than any other time in the, in the, the rest of the calendar year. So plan on that, pray for that and, and see how you can be a part. But if you call Soma home, part of the, part of the focus for today is to us begin to think about not an end of year offering, not Christmas, not some of the things that are on our radar, but begin to think about building intentional generosity Building intentional, basically becoming a regular giver is what I want to talk about today. It's a spiritual discipline, and I'm going to break it down this way. We talk about pray first. So I'm, I'm anxious, I'm worried, I'm struggling with whatever, I've got questions. Pray first. We talk about gather. This is the Sundays, the first day of the week. You're already doing it. Awesome. You gather as a church. You worship together. Something shifts when we gather on that first day of the week. Begin my day first with God. It's a spiritual discipline like everything else. What would it look like for me to give first? What would it look like for me to trust God in the area of my finances in the same way that I do with my prayer life? I would say put God first in your marriage, put God first in every relationship, and then watch what happens as a result. And so it's that, it's that being intentional with our resources just like we do our time and our talents. And so um, anytime, historically in the life of our church, anytime I've ever taught generosity or anytime I've ever taught tithing, we always see giving go up. We always see ownership in this area and people begin to tithe. People begin to give. And the reason why is because we open up the Bible and I spend time talking about stewardship, tithing, generosity, and then God does the rest in the hearts of everybody who's here and calls our church home. That's it. Um, And so that's the reason why we're doing this. We do it together. You bring whatever your portion is and I do, and then we do it with the right heart and the motivation, and then God blesses it and does more with what we bring, our, our small portion, than, than we could ever ask or imagine. And so um, we're talking about money today because also it's the heart of God to talk about money. And I know that sounds crazy, but Jesus talked more about money than he did heaven and hell combined. He talked more about money than um, anything else except the kingdom of God. 11 out of 39 parables talk about money directly. And there's others that speak to the heart of generosity. One out of every seven verses in the Gospel of Luke talks about money. Kind of a big deal. All right? So it's, and and I don't talk about it a lot. We don't have a lot of series about it. Honestly, do a really, I think, a poor job of leading in this area. But Jesus has a lot to say about generosity, a lot to say about giving, a lot to say about money in particular, because he knows what a big idol it is for us. And he knows how dependent we can become on the resources that he gives rather than focusing on the provider, the one who gives them. And, and it's true of money. You can make an idol out of anything. You can make it out of money. You can make it out of a vocation. You can make it out of a person. You can make it anything. 
a hobby, whatever. But he says, hey, I, I want you to get your attention and your focus back to where it needs to be and trust me with what I've given you instead of the things that I've given you. Uh, most people are following God based on a sense of obligation rather than passion. You could be here right now because you feel socially obligated to be here. Culturally, this is just what people expect of me. My spouse said, I got to go. My mom said, I got to be here, like whatever the case may be. And sometimes we'll church out of a religious obligation. And the Bible tells us, and this is what Paul gives commentary to, it doesn't work, doesn't stick. If you begin to do things out of compulsion, out of reluctance, they don't last. But if you do things because you want to do things, because you desire to do things, because it's your passion, then all of a sudden it hits different. And God wants you to desire purpose and fulfillment in him. Philippians 2 puts it this way. For God is working in you, giving you the desires and the power to do what pleases him. If you don't hear anything else I say today, y'all need to write that one down. Philippians 2.13. Because not only does God give you, hey, this is the way towards the abundant life. This is the way towards, this is what following Jesus looks like. So he gives us, hey, I want you to obey in these areas. I want you to go in this direction. And the thought is, I want to go in that direction. I just don't want to. Like, I want to, but I can't. Like, I can't make myself. And he's going, I know. I'm going to give you a new desire. I'm going to give you a new heart. And also, I'm going to give you the power to do the things that I'm asking you to do. So don't rely on your own ability. Don't rely on your own strength. Don't rely on your own power. I'm going to ask you to do things that that I'm the only one that can accomplish those things in your life. I'm going to change your heart. If you struggle in the area of generosity, if you struggle in the area of, man, I just, I don't know. I can, I, then he says, okay, cool, awesome. I'll meet you right there. I'm going to give you a new desire. You have to want it. It's a dangerous prayer. I dare you to pray that prayer. Some of you are like, I ain't praying that prayer. I dare you to pray that prayer. God, give me over to a generous heart. Don't pray that prayer. God, make me patient. Ooh, Jesus, don't pray that prayer, right? So, But if you pray those prayers, he will answer that, hey, God, give me over to a new desire and also give me the power to do what pleases you. And that's what I want to lead us in as a church family. I want to show you the sheer joy of giving, investing in others, serving others, giving your lives to help advance the cause of Christ. There's a passage in Exodus. There's a couple Old Testament passages I want to prove, prove my point with. Exodus 35, 21. If you were with us during our Exodus series over the summer, they head in towards the back end of Exodus during that passage, and they begin to build the tabernacle, prepare for the presence of God, to rest with God's people. And they begin to do all these things in preparation for it. And one of the things that they begin to do is give so that they can build what God's asked them to build. This is Exodus 35, 21. Everyone who, everybody came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing, and they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting for all its service and for the holy garments. And I want you to pay particular attention to the first line. Every, not everybody came to give. Not, not all of Israel, not all of God's people were there. The people who were there were everyone whose heart was stirred, everyone whose spirit was willing. Those are the ones that gave. And so in, in order to really do the thing that God had called them to do, they had to have a desire in order to do it. And so the people worshiped and they gave for the work of the tabernacle meeting, but not everybody, just people whose hearts were stirred, whose, will, whose spirit was willing. Generosity, generosity was their joy, and they gave to what they love. 
And we see it again. There's, a, there's another passage in First Chronicles. And so they, that's the tabernacle. But then when they, they go to build the temple, we see the same thing. This is First Chronicles 29. Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of... This is King David. I have set my affection on the house of my God. There's my love. I love it. I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. Verse 5. Now who is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? He asks of everybody who's there. Verse 6 and 7. The leaders of the father's houses, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the captains of the thousands and the hundreds with the officers of the king's work offered willingly. There's that word again. They gave for the work of the house of God. Verse 9. Then the people rejoiced for they had offered willingly because with a loyal heart they had offered. There's that word again. Willingly. He's just making a point. To the Lord and King David Rejoice greatly. Why did he rejoice? Because he could see people's hearts and he could see that they, they had a heart aligned with the things of God. It was not like an act of compulsion, like, come on, David, bro, come on, we got to build a temple, man. Like, it wasn't like people were like, I get to sow into and invest in what God's doing in the earth. And it is my privilege to bring my portion, not your portion, my portion to be a part of what God's doing. There's an act of, of generosity that comes from an overflow of a willing heart. And it's important because God says it's important. This is 2 Corinthians uh, 8, 12. Paul says this. He gives commentary on this exact thing. For the willingness, if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. So Paul says, hey, if your heart's in the right place and your motivation's in the right place, man, that is a, that's, that's so pleasing to God. And again, it's not based on what you don't have. It's based on what you do have. And so sacrifice looks different from me, looks different from you, looks different from you. It looks different for all of us. Being obedient looks different for all of us. God, what do you want me to do? What's my portion? How can I be a part of what you're building? Give me what I don't already have sometimes. I don't always have a desire. I don't always have a willing heart. I don't. Some people will come and they'll ask me to be a part of something personally, just in my own life. Hey, would you sow into this? Would you invest in this? Would you be a part of this? And sometimes it's like God has to give me a desire to be a part of it. And then the power and the resources to do that are sometimes outside of my own ability. So he gives me the power to do what I can in my own strength. And so we understand this. uh, But the question is, how do we get a willing heart? Because if you're like me, sometimes I feel like giving and sometimes I don't feel like giving. And a, but God gives us a passion for, and he gives us a willingness to, and it's always motivated by our why. You have to know why you do what you do. If you're here right now and you have no idea why you're here right now, you got to figure that out pretty quick. You got to get to your why. What's the purpose of church? What's the purpose of gathering? What's the purpose of prayer? What's the, like, what's my why behind the things that I do as I'm called to give, to serve, to be about what God's doing in the earth? Why am I doing it? Am I doing it out of religious habit? Am I, am I doing it out of tradition? Am I doing it because I feel obligated or some sense of compulsion? It's not going to last if you do it for a brand, some local expression of church, because a leader like me or somebody asked you to do it. You're not going to do it very long. I, I think back to a few years ago where um, I had a friend who, I'm, try, I'm trying to look, see if he's here in this service. Sometimes they come to this service. I had a friend who helped me. Uh, he, we would wake up early. This is before Soma started. And I was a campus pastor at a, a church out of Lake Norman. And um, we would, we'd wake up early. We're in a middle school. And we would unload a 26-foot box truck at 6 a.m. and 
do like the set up tear down church. Have y'all ever done, anybody in here done mobile church? Come on, tabernacle church, come on. Like you setting up, tearing down, and it'll just wear you out. Come on, it'll test your witness, right? So it's like 6 a.m., you're just praying, whoo, right? <laughs> and, and coffee and all the things. So we're unloading this box truck, and he is out there sweating it out every single week. He's helping me unload this box truck, load this box truck. We had as much junk in the school as we did in the box truck. It was a lot of moving, a lot of setting up and tearing down. And I could just see it on him. He was tired one week, and we had a small team. Come on, there's a remnant of the people of God at 6 a.m. setting up for church. There's like five of us, you know what I mean? So the remnant of the people of Israel. So, uh, so we're, we're, we're setting up and tearing down, and I look at him one day, and I say, man, thank you so much. Thank you so much for doing this. And he gave me the best response ever. He said, I ain't doing this for you. I was like, well... He was like, man, this is worship for me. He said, this is sacrifice for me. This is my day off. I come. This is worship for me. Like, I'm sweating. I'm setting up. I'm setting the table. Not for you. I said, thank God, because you probably would have quit week three. If, it had been, if you'd have been doing it for me, it would have been a real quick experiment. But he, he just, he, but he was doing it as an act of worship to Jesus. And I'm just thinking how many lives were impacted, how many people were impacted, how many um, and even maybe this moment right now that we're having as a church because of the faithfulness of people like him to go, it's not about me. It's not about like you even. It's about my why is rooted in what is God, what is Jesus asking me to do and I'm going to do it. And, and it becomes my privilege and it becomes even a joy as I lay down and surrender my agenda and my life to what he's trying to do in the world. So the why is so important. But some of us have forgotten our why. When it comes to this area. And so if you lose your why, we know you lose your way. And so I'm hoping to encourage you to be a part of things like Legacy this year. And, hey, come at the movies. Invite friends at the movies. Hey, go to 5 p.m., please. Hey, you know, like bring people to Christmas and be engaged in that. Join and be connected to what God's doing. But I'm also, um, I'm also hoping to remind you of your why. So when it comes to generosity and when it comes to why we give as a church, here's the why. Number one, we get to give because Jesus gave to us first. It's Matthew 10, 8. Freely you've received and freely give. Another, another way to say it is when you've freely received, you freely give. So it's the moment of realizing what God's done on your behalf, what Jesus has done for you. And it's not just a momentary thing. It's a lifetime of really re realizing what's been done on your behalf and a willingness to let go and step into God's agenda. When you remind yourself of all the amazing things that God's done in your life, man, it just gives you over to more trust. Look at all the ways God's moved in my life. So if you struggle in the area of generosity, for example, if you're real tight, don't look at your spouse if that's your spouse, right? If you're just real, if you're real tight, all right? Just here's my, here's my uh, just practical step. It's just write down all the things you're grateful for. Write down all the amazing things, all the ways that God's blessed you in your life and just see how, how you can trust him. And just begin to write down all the things. Gratitude is just a key ingredient to generosity. When you take inventory of all the blessings, it's so much easier to be generous. Right? You've been treated generously, so live generously. 
And some of us, we struggle with that. We can't imagine, we can't imagine giving generous. We can't imagine uh, just real time, just like God giving us, hey, I want you to go bless this person. I want you to go fill this need. I want you to go help in this situation. I want you to give sacrificially in this way outside of whatever you had budgeted. And it's not so much that you need to, um, to be a part of what we're doing as a church, but you need a shift in your why. You need a heart transplant. You need a desire to change. And so if you give yourself to Jesus, let me put it this way. If you give yourself to Jesus, all other giving gets easier. It just does. So number two is we get to give because it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. The word blessed in the Greek in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, it talks about being giddy or being happy. That's what the word blessed means. Like I'm giddy. Like I'm, I'm happy about it. Like you're happier when you're giving. It's that moment, if you've ever had it, like, uh, where you give someone a really intentional gift at Christmas, like you thought about it for three months. You know what I mean? They've, they mentioned it that one time. I'm not great at this. My wife is so much better at this than I am. But uh, those of you who gifts is your love language, you're really good at it, right? So, uh, but it's like you remember and you like wrote it down and then you went and got it and, and you gave it to them and, and they're like, are you kidding me? Like, I can't believe you remember this. That moment. It's even better when you give to someone who can't give to you in return. So you, you, you're, you're giving to someone in a way that they're like, I could never repay. You're like, ah, no, that's so good. And it's even better when you do it when they don't even, you don't even get credit for it publicly. And it's, it, the Bible just says, hey, this is what it means to like grow in the area. It's just more blessed to give than it is to receive. Um, and so uh, this is Winston Churchill. He says, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. And that's so true. If you want to make an eternal impact, if you want to make a difference in people's lives, it's not about what you get. It's about what you give. That's the way to live. If you want, and I mentioned this week one, what I want for my funeral. I want people to care. I want people to show up and be like, that guy made an impact on my life. It's going to be about not what I got out of that relationship, but what I gave to that individual. And this is what God's calling us to do. Uh, so the third one is we get to give because we're in a covenant with God and with one another. So because Jesus gave to us first, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And then I'm in a covenant with God and with one another. God has a plan. And the way that he redeems the world around us is through us. It's through you. Like you are, I don't know if anybody's ever told you this or not. You are the hope of the world. The church is not a program. It is not a building. It is not an organization. It is a people. And when the people are united in Jesus, you are the hope of the world. When you lay down your agenda and you step into Jesus' agenda and you begin to bear fruit, as he said, you are the hope of the world. Somebody needs what you have to offer. Somebody needs hope. Somebody needs the expectation. Somebody needs the gospel. Somebody needs the joy that you bring to that situation. Somebody needs that supernatural peace that you're marked by when things are, going, when things are falling apart. Somebody needs what you have to offer. They need, they need you as the local church. We're in a covenant with God and with one another. And so it's worth my time, my energy, my talent, my treasure to begin to set, step into his agenda. Your full potential is reached. When you find your covenant family, people who are willing to go through good times, bad times, encourage you, encourage one another, help one another, serve one another, follow Jesus together. And here's the whole reason why the church matters, because you can't live out the call of God that he has on your life alone. You have to do it in community. And you just have to decide, is this my community? And let me tell you this, if this is not your community, I will help you personally find your community. It does not have to be here. Do this somewhere. Do it at Soma. 
Go down, like, I will help you find local expressions, healthy churches that are all over the place, the Team Jesus all day long. Like, you don't have to, you don't have to do it here, but you got to do it somewhere. You need, to, you need to step into a covenant family with people and begin to, to pursue God together. Psalm 92, 13, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. If you are planted, if you are rooted, if you are connected, if you are doing the thing, you flourish. It's a promise. It's just a promise. And anybody who's ever done church and been super frustrated or burnt by something that somebody said or something like, I, I get it. There's humans in church world. I totally get it, right? That's the, that's the one piece that we got to navigate. It's full of people. But, man, if you plant yourself in the house, you flourish. None of us can do as much good as all of us can. And we believe as a church family that together is better. And the more that we do together, the greater the impact. There's a collective generosity and a collective sacrifice. And, again, go back to Exodus 35. Go back to First Chronicles. What does it look like to build a tabernacle? Together. What does it look like to build a temple? Together. What does it look like to build a local church together? If you read your book, Book of Acts, people came together, sacrificial giving. What does it take in order for us to reach more people? It was not about a building. It was never about an organization. It was never about a name or some local expression. It was always about Jesus. And when people get in line with that, there's an uncommon unity that's marked by that. And people go, dude, let's go. Let's go get it. So so we're, we get to give because we're in covenant with God and one another, but we also get to give because we believe in the vision of the church. And again, not our church, the church. Like I believe, obviously, I believe in what we're doing as a local expression. I love that God gave us this. I love that gave, he gave us this context and you as a people and he planted us where he planted us and he gave us cool, you know, language and all that kind of stuff. And, but but it's, it's less about that. It's more about what's God doing globally in his big C church. How awesome is it that we're called to have equity in the work that God's doing in other people's lives? Like God could save people, redeem people. He could do everything on his own. And yet he chooses in his sovereignty. He chooses to go, okay, cool. Now you're in a relationship with me. Awesome. Join me. Matter of fact, as you join me, you're going to find more purpose, more fulfillment, more joy as you do the things that I do. Because now you're aligning with my heart. You're, you're, you're about the things that I'm about, which is the people around you join me in that. And so uh, I'm, I'm just thinking about how we're in this moment right now. And um, you are, I am here right now because of people in my life and your life who sowed a long time ago, or maybe more recently, uh, and you personally shared their faith, shared the hope that they have in Jesus, brought you to church, Make sure you got there. Make sure, like, people just who sowed into you. I think about the church that I grew up in and how I would not get to be a part of what I'm doing right now if it were not for the people who sowed into my life in the church that I grew up in. And I think about your kids. And I think about your kids' kids and the opportunity that we have as a church to sow into future generations. We sit in seats paid by somebody else. Like, so what, what would it look like collectively for us as a church family to go, what's my portion? What can I give? It is my privilege to do so. We get to give because I believe in what we're doing as a church. Jesus gave to me first. 
It's more blessed to give than to receive. What's wild is as I give, it actually gives me over to more joy, more purpose, and more fulfillment. We're in a covenant with God and one another. I believe that I'm in this relationship with God and you. I got you. And we need to have one another's back in that way. We, we believe in the vision of the church. And then the last one is this. We get to give because one day I want to hear Jesus say, well done. I gave you time. I gave you relationships. I gave you talents. I gave you context. I gave you resources. I gave you, I gave you what you needed in order to build income. I gave you the income. I gave you everything that you had. And here's what you did with what you were given. There's two judgments that you and I experience one day at the end of our lives. One is the, is the great white throne judgment where we stand in front of God. He looks in the Lamb's book of life. And did I trust Jesus with my life? Is my faith, did I surrender my life to Christ? And if I did, my name's in the Lamb's book of life. Really important. Second judgment, judgment seat of Christ. Where? After he's taken inventory, hey, you've trusted Jesus with your life. You surrendered your life to Jesus. I stand in front of Jesus and he looks inside. He looks at me and, and I'm fully exposed. I've never been more exposed in my life. He's taken inventory of all the things, all the time, talent, treasure, all the things that I, he gave me to steward. And then, and then he reward, the Bible says he rewards us for what we did with what he gave us. This is the parable of the talents. This is the moment where... Uh, the manager leaves, if you're familiar with the passage, manager leaves and he leaves employees, hey, I'm gonna give you one talent, I'm gonna give you two talent, I'm gonna give you five talent. You gotta steward that, invest that. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show back up and when I show back up, show me what you did with what I gave you. And, and when he shows up, not everyone invested, not everyone sowed, not everyone was able to take what was put in their hand and begin to, to give towards the way, in the way that, that God had called them to give. And this is Matthew 25, 23. For the one who invested, for the one who stewarded well what God had given him, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. I love that. Because God says, hey, I'm going to give you some. You're not responsible for the person sitting next to you. You're not responsible for what somebody else has. Time, abilities, money, any of those things. You're only responsible for what he gives you. And then one day I get to meet him face to face and he goes, hey. What's wild is, and we, we mentioned this on another week, but in that moment where we're having the judgment seat of Christ, he doesn't take in, he doesn't, he doesn't hold against me all the things that I did poorly. Bible tells us he only credits or rewards me. Hey, you stewarded these things well. And I'm like, yeah, but I jacked all this up. He's like, also, I know this is heaven. You're welcome, right? This, this, this is like, hey, woo, great. Thank you, God. So, but it's, it's wild. So I want that moment where I, he, he goes, hey, look at these relationships. Look at your marriage. Look at your kids. Look at your extended family. Look at your friends. Look at your impact. Look at your leadership. Look at your like, look at what I gave you, and then I'm gonna reward you based on what was given. But you gotta, you got. He has to change your heart. He has to change your desires, and he has to give you the power to do what you can't do in your own strength. And so it's it's a privilege. We get to give because one day we get to hear Jesus say, "Well done." That's my goal for me. That's my goal for our entire church family. We all stand in front of Jesus. We're all in the Lamb's Book of Life. He all takes account of what we did with, with our time and our relationships and our resources. And he looks at us and he goes, 
here's your reward. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much that you give us, God, you give us the, the privilege to join you in your work, the privilege to join you in helping people come alive, the privilege to join you in helping people to just lay down shame, lay down fear, lay down anxiety, lay down brokenness in their past so that they can step into a much brighter future. God, you cleanse us white as snow, but not because we deserve it, but just because of who you are. And you invite us into that work. So you save us and you redeem us and you restore us and then you invite us to go go do the same for others and I pray that that would be our heart. God, shift our perspective. Help us to see the people around us the way that you see them. When we're frustrated, when we lack patience, God, where our sin was great, where our brokenness was great, your love is greater, your grace is greater. Invite us into that same type that same perspective, that same approach, that same view. And God, in this season, as we're praying through, thinking about what our response should be when it comes to giving sacrificially, when it comes to helping advance your church, when it comes to helping advance your agenda in the earth, God, help us to have the boldness to pray and ask you, what's my portion? Also, help us to have the boldness and the strength to ask you for a new heart. God, would you change our desire? It is a bold, dangerous prayer. And yet, God, I want more of it. So change the desires of our hearts and then give us the power to do what only you could do in your own strength. Give us over to a unity. Give us over to a collective trust in you with the rest of our days, with our relationships, with our resources so that we can make much of you. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, the moment of salvation is when you realize who you are in relationship to who Jesus is. And, and the Bible tells us that it is by a faith. Really, it's just changing your mind about who Jesus is. That's, the, that's what repentance means. I'm changing the way that I think about a relationship with God, about who Jesus is and what he's done on my behalf. He came, he lived, he died, he rose again. And it has implications for my own resurrection. I don't deserve it, but it's true. And I can see it played out in other people's lives. I want that. And it's the moment where you realize who Jesus is. That's your salvation. So just right where you're at, if that's you and you on faith today, believe and trust in Jesus, just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender my life to you. Not most areas of my life, all areas of my life you lord over. And so grow in me a desire for the things that you want me to desire. Because I trust that you want more for my life than I want for myself. Help me to not hold it too tightly. Help me to not trust the things that you give, but you as the provider of all that you've given me. God, help me to be grateful. Grow me in the area of generosity. Shift my heart and my perspective, and then give me the power to do what only you can get credit for. God, I pray the same thing for our church family. I'm grateful for this season. I'm grateful for the ways that you're moving. And on expectation and on faith, I thank you in advance for just a collective generosity, a collective sacrifice, a collective move that only you can get credit for. Lord, we love you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.